So Dungeons and Dragons is a lot like comic books in that before all of these superhero movies, before they started making billions of dollars at the box office, comic books were incredibly niche. And Dungeons and Dragons is exactly that. It's one of those things where you may have heard the name Dungeons and Dragons. You may be aware of the brand, thanks to Stranger Things, but you may not know exactly how it works. And most people would have never, ever played a game of Dungeons and Dragons because it is a complicated thing. So adapting this idea into a film has always been a difficult process. I think Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the brand new adaptation that just comes out in cinemas this week, is the best version that we could possibly get. Oh, yes. I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah. And I also think it's probably a good start and the best possible start for a franchise. That's what I appreciate about it. Like, for me, I've never played a single game of Dungeons & Dragons. I've only watched the 80s cartoon. I don't have a huge understanding of it. But going into this, I was pleasantly surprised how much I actually enjoyed it and actually understood a little bit more about the game just watching the film. In borrowing from the comic book movie, I think the creators of Dungeons & Dragons, of this film, have done a very smart thing in that they've taken that MCU template, right? Because we've had superhero movies in the past, but Iron Man was something different. They went down the quippy, bantery thing. They made it less about the nitty-gritty of comic bookness and superheroism and more about character and heart. And I think that's exactly what this movie does. Because you have archetypal Dungeons and Dragons characters. You've got barbarians and magicians and sorcerers and warriors and thieves and all of that stuff. But at the same time, none of those character classifications matter because it's just all about these interesting characters who seem to have some issues on a quest to save something or someone. And that's pretty much all you need to be accessible to a mass audience, I think. And also the fact that they all worked incredibly well together. Like, the chemistry is on point with all of them. It really honestly feels like if I were to play the game and I had a bunch of friends with me, this is exactly what it would look like. Now, there are tons of references to Dungeons & Dragons, the actual game, and lots of deep cuts, but none of that matters because... It's done in a way that doesn't feel exclusionary. And I think that's what I liked it. Like, I love Dungeons and Dragons and I used to play Dungeons and Dragons and I got all the reference and I was whooping in the cinema whenever they said something cool. But at the same time, there were a couple sitting next to me who clearly had no idea what Dungeons and Dragons were and they were laughing along and they even clapped at the end of the movie. And I'm like, oh, good. If it appeals to them, then I think there's a chance it's going to appeal to everyone, which is the hardest thing for a movie like this. That's what I appreciate. The fact that they were able to appease not only the Dungeons & Dragons fans, but new people who just wanted to find out more about the franchise and understand it a bit more. And honestly, after watching it, like I really now just want to find some friends and like, hey, let's play Dungeons & Dragons because I want right. to have that much fun as well. And, and they follow all of those steps. So when you're playing Dungeons and & Dragons, and if you read the guidebook, there are a few basic steps on character creation that you have to do as an individual, right? And one of the most important things is coming up with your character backstory. So it's not enough that you fill out a chart 
which tells you what your strength is and your endurance is and your intelligence is, you've also got to craft a backstory about, say, Nick Dorian. I had a wife and child once and then now I'm a loner on a quest for revenge or whatever. You've got to come with all of that stuff. And that's something the movie lays out really well. It does it in a way that doesn't feel like exposition, but if you're a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, you'll be like, oh, I see exactly what you're doing. You see, that's where I have to disagree with you because the, I, I admit that first half was a lot of exposition and building up that characters, but I just felt it took a little bit too long. But again, maybe it's because I'm not so much of a D&D fan, but at the same time, it just felt like they could have cut it a little bit shorter. The first half, at least. Because the second half moved incredibly well. But that first half, to me, felt a little bit slow. My nitpick would be, in following that MCU template, this movie does end up feeling very templated. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Because I think when you're tackling a franchise like this, it's very difficult to convince rights owners and massive studios that you want to do something risky. And I think the only way to actually get something like this out and ensure it has a future beyond one movie is to maybe take the safe path. So my nitpick with this movie is that it feels quite safe. In watching it, you know exactly how this thing is going to play out. You know exactly how it's going to end. But for me, what kept me going was the chemistry between the actors the humor, it is incredibly funny. There is a scene which you see in the trailer with an incredibly fat dragon that is brilliant. I love that fat dragon. <laughs> they subvert your expectations just enough. So despite being templated, there's enough stuff that subverts your expectations to keep you engaged throughout. I mean, sometimes it's the most simple of formula that, that works incredibly well. And like you said, if they are going to do more films after this, this gives them the freedom to really have fun with it moving forward because if you already established these characters in the first film. There's not a single person in this movie that feels like they aren't having fun. Oh, yeah. I think that's what I liked about it most. Like, even when you watch some of those DC movies, you're like, oh, these actors really don't want to be here, right? But Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, I love Sophia Lillis, Justice Smith, even Reggae Jean Page, <laughs> who I thought was a complete sham because in The Grey Man, he is just terrible. But in this one, he plays this stone-faced character that's supposed to be completely and utterly stoic no matter what and yet incredibly funny to the rest of us but at the same time it's it's his standard formula because of Bridgerton he's he's leading into that I'm charming and suave and have a deep story you will feel so much compassion for me <laughs> I am a hero in all sense <laughs> you're right he too is being templated but I enjoyed him in this I disliked him intensely in the gray man he was so wooden, so wooden. I will say this, that the fact that they actually did play rounds of Dungeons & Dragons before actually making the film definitely worked in their favour because I think that's where the chemistry came in. They knew the game, they played it together, they had so much fun and it shows. It's a really fun movie, man. Like, I was reminded of all of the stuff I enjoyed growing up. I was reminded of the cartoon in many ways, which was the best version of Dungeons & Dragons that exists for the screen. We don't want to talk about the 2000 <laughs> movie with Jeremy Irons and its two direct-to-DVD sequels. Which I only just discovered thanks to you. <laughs> I watched them when they came out because I'm a huge D&D &D fan 
and I just want to burn them with fire. But this one, <laughs> this one feels true to the franchise and it feels true to the brand. And I think that's what I like best about it. But I want to ask you a question though. Did you feel like you wanted to see more of Hugh Grant? Because I don't know whether it was just his lovable charm, but I wanted to see more of him. Like that was the only character that I was like, eh, there's not enough screen time. Of late, I think I always want to see more of Hugh Grant. In the stuff that he's done, whether it's that... HBO, crime thriller, or this. There is something about older Hugh Grant that is just very, very watchable. Like, he's not playing the rom-com Hugh Grant anymore. That's what I love, that I feel like he's really leading into this. I just want to shed that material and I'll do whatever it takes and have the most fun with it. That's what I love about older Hugh Grant at the moment. I also enjoyed Michelle Rodriguez in this a lot. Because Michelle Rodriguez's Holger is pretty much the straight character in this group. Like, she is the one person who seems to be holding them together. Like, she's yeah. got her own problems too, but at the same time, she's strong and can fight and has a little more self-awareness than, say, Chris Pine or even Justice Smith. And I thought she makes for a really good lead. Like, she's not overshadowed by Vin Diesel and his family and all of that <laughs> stuff. And I think she really carries her own in this one. She's the warrior with a heart of gold. That's what she is in this film. And it works. It really works. I know this is really, not really centered to the plot, but another three characters that I really enjoy, which I discovered later on, was actually the trio from Auntie Donna, who voiced those three mummies, the three dead people. And I was like, oh my God, that works so well. The three of them were just brilliant in this. That was another sequence that was absolutely fantastic. I think the set pieces in this really do pay off. Some of the action sequences are really cool as well. The CGI is done very well. You get a lot of interesting callbacks to actual D&D things. There is a fun callback in the maze at the end. I was reading this book on the biography of Dungeons and Dragons. So it is kind of like a history on everything that Guy Gygax did from the beginning, the origins of the game, all up to the point of where they are now. Dungeons and Dragons breaking into Hollywood was like a big thing. They've been trying to do it for decades. So back in the day, they actually sent someone to Los Angeles because they weren't based in Hollywood to try and explore getting Dungeons and Dragons to the screen. There were loads of failed efforts because people just didn't know what to do with it. I think the cartoon came the closest to capturing what we would feel like if we were sitting around the table and playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons. There was the Dungeon Master, there were these multiple characters, each of whom had their own special ability and part to play, which is, of course, the core principle of a game of Dungeons and Dragons, right? You can both be wizards, but at the same time, the best games are always those that feature characters that complement each other. And so... The cartoon kind of captured that perfectly. And I think this movie does it without slapping you in the face with it. There aren't all those moments where it needs to be pointed out that, ah, yes, I am the man with a plan and this is my function. Oh, look, I am the sorcerer and I can do this. Yeah, so they don't necessarily have to spell it out for you. You just kind of get it because you've been exposed to so much fantasy fiction over the last however many decades that the smartest thing this movie does is build on that instead of trying to reintroduce what Dungeons & Dragons is to a whole new audience because that would just be a complete waste of time. Yeah, I mean, the groundwork, like you said, has already been laid and... By everyone else. Yeah, and back in the first Dungeons & Dragons film, 
I think at that point, fantasy had only just taken off. We just got the first two Harry Potter films, I think. Lord of the Rings just came out, if I'm not mistaken. But I think also a key element to Dungeons & Dragons is you cannot treat it seriously, which is what the first film did. They tried to go that sort of dark, stoic, really serious route, which you can't. You need to have a really fun time with this film. That's the key to a good Dungeons & Dragons film. And I think that's what the directors, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein do. It's funny, it's fun, it's adventurous. It works for kids. It will remind you of things like Goonies and NeverEnding Story and all of that stuff. And if you are a seven, eight, nine-year-old watching this, I guess if this is your first exposure to fantasy films, then I think it's going to inspire you to read the books or play the games or do stuff. Really, I think this is a a family affair. Like, it really is. You can bring anybody, whatever age, you can come and watch this film. Every single person will enjoy it. And you don't have to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. And that's brilliant because it's really not exclusive. Which is what made the first Iron Man movie so good, which is why the MCU has such... I guess, a good success rate in making these movies because I think they started from a base level and went, hey, you don't have to have read 40 years of comics to be able to enjoy this movie. And in the same way, you don't have to have dedicated a weekend of your life playing Dungeons and Dragons with friends around a dinner table to understand what is happening here. It's very old school. It feels like a throwback. And I, for one, had an absolute blast at this. I really want more of this sort of movie. Yes. I hope this turns into a major franchise and they do more films, but I just hope they keep the tonality of it. I don't mind simple as long as it has this much heart. Yeah, exactly. Don't overcomplicate things. Don't add too much elements to it. Keep it like a series of unfortunate events, which is essentially what this one is as well. And I think that's what I like about some of the movies we've seen recently, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's A Man Called Otto, I think there's a sweetness to the movie that we don't get out of, not just Hollywood, but out of fiction in general, because people think sweetness is lame. Mm. And so nobody wants to write those sweet stories anymore. But yet again, even if you look at the more complex, darker, nuanced stories, think of James Gunn's Suicide Squad, for example, which is an incredibly violent movie, but the sweetness with Ratcatcher, with Polka Dot Man, I think sweetness is the best word to describe their individual stories. That's what makes the whole thing work. I mean, he even infused sweetness into Harley Quinn. Once you add the heart element into it, it becomes incredibly relatable. And that's the connection you want with the audience to the film. I don't understand who would go in and not enjoy it. It's made for fun. It's made for sheer entertainment. Maybe you don't have a hot life if you don't enjoy a movie like this. Nah, I'm pretty sure they'll. I, I could foresee a few critics being, oh, this is too childish. The same thing that happened with Shazam. Like, Shazam is a lot of fun and again, a lot of heart, but critics are slamming it because, oh, it's too childish, it's too basic. I'm sorry, I don't understand what you expect when you go <laughs> in to see a movie like Shazam, which was essentially built around the idea of a child who becomes a grown-up superhero. It's right there in the concept. But it's DC. DC is meant to be serious and dark and it's a comic book. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) No, I can promise you people that you will have a good time when you go and see this movie. It is so much fun. It is such a blast. And let us know if... 
it's inspired you to learn more about Dungeons and Dragons and whether it's made you want to play the game. Now, the game isn't simple. It is complex to get started, but once you get going, it's an absolute blast because it just taps into your innate need to tell stories. So there is a complexity in the setup and the crafting of the characters and how everything works. But if you're a player, you can let the dungeon master worry about that and you can just carry on with the game. You're presented with a scenario and then you kind of build the story around that scenario with your fellow friends and fellow adventurers. It is for me one of my favorite things to do and it is for me at the core of what we love with regards to film and talking about film and writing and storytelling. And Dungeons and Dragons feels like the basest expression of that. Because you're sitting around with your friends. It's like fireplace ghost stories. You're sitting around with your friends and you're just doing shit and you're making stuff up as you go along. And it's just really, really cool. I'm just glad that after 23 years, Dungeons and Dragons finally has its redemption. Thank you, right? <laughs> <sighs> That Jeremy Irons movie, man. What the fuck was that? I will say, at least you got to see Jeremy Irons really hamming it up to no end. <laughs> I feel like late era Jeremy Irons was all about the hamming it up. Oh, yeah. And I love it. <laughs> I think you need to track down those director DVD sequels, man. It is a new level of awful. If it doesn't have Jeremy Irons, I don't want to watch it. Because they came out like five or six years apart. And I'm pretty sure they made that shit just to hold on to the license. <laughs> because someone had the rights and they were like, we got to make a movie. If not, we'll lose the rights. It'll revert back to its original owners. Come on, let's make something. Anything. Because it makes absolutely no sense that a film that terrible managed to get two more sequels organically. Budget, my friend. Low budget sequels. <laughs> <sighs> what a steaming pile of crap. Anyway. Yes, I will find it and I will give you my honest opinion. Let me tell you this, though. It's a great few weeks for film. In the cinemas right now, you've got John Wick Chapter 4, you've got Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Next week, you're going to have Air. Which I heard is the best sports film so far. That's what everyone's saying. It's crazy. I cannot wait to see it. And it's great that all of this is finally coming back and we have so much to choose from in the cinemas because God knows, even post-pandemic for the last year, it's been really slow going. So it feels like things are returning to normal. It feels like Malaysia is getting day and date releases, if not even earlier releases in the US. All is well in the world. All is well in the world. And not forgetting we're going to get an Italian Russell Crowe as a priest. Bellissimo. <laughs> I have no idea if that movie is going to be good, but I don't care. It's called The Pope's Exorcist. I'm, I'm fully there for it. <laughs> It's Russell Crowe riding around on a motorcycle fighting demons. That's all With I care With an Italian about. accent. With an Italian accent. <laughs> yes. Uh, but let us know what you think of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We think it's absolutely brilliant. We think you'll have a blast at the cinema. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds. We are on GogglerMY. Nick has many. He is on at Nick Dorian, at Clappercorns, and at Geeks in Malaysia. As I've said before, message him on all of them and ask different questions on each one to give him extra work. It is painstaking, but I do reply to every single comment. Hardest working man in show business. <laughs>
You can also reach out on the Goggler hotline. WhatsApp us on 012-524-5208 or email us on podcast at goggler.my. If you drop us a line on any one of those channels, we will send you an invite to our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Nick's there as well. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Goggler Podcast.